Greetings, you lovely humans. Welcome to this week's Red Voices. And just to confirm, yes, United actually are going to Stockholm and we really all are just waiting for next week's Europa League final to save us all from total doom. And on the subject of total doom, hi Rich, how are you? Hey! Hi, I'm 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 drowning in apathy here watching the uh, watching the Southampton game. Yeah, we decided this week to do things a little differently. Normally we record straight after the game when things are nice and fresh, but considering that Mourinho hasn't really given too much of a holy crap about the last two games, we decided to actually show that same amount of commitment and record during the end of the Southampton game. It's an interesting experiment. It is. Uh, uh, to be perfectly honest, the, the game's been so utterly meh, we're not really missing much, are we? Which is generally um... the standard, which is generally the norm at the moment. But um, I mean, it's, I suppose it's, I suppose it's been marginally better than the utter meh we've seen for the last two weeks but um it's not still not great it's been, it's been a couple of nice bits and bobs i mean i'm quite interested by seeing twanzebia midfield i mean i guess he is one of the few options we haven't tried in that position i quite like by right back as well given his strength and his pace and you know the fact that he has actually got half decent attacking instincts when he goes forward we've seen a couple of times tonight uh yeah that's an interesting experiment to watch what else is working quite well i mean mm, not really too much else and speaking of not working particularly well, let's go back to the Vigo game. Yay! Good grief. Yes. Uh, let's see. Last Thursday night, United simply needed to not lose against Celta Vigo. And mm. this is one of the things, this has been a constant sort of running thread over the last week. There was an incredible disparity in the reactions after that second leg, wasn't there? You know, in the sense that yeah. some people were saying, gosh, it's so wonderful to be in a final. Why on earth are you moaning? And then... I found myself in a position where I was so relieved that United had gotten through, but I couldn't enjoy it because that performance was just turgid. I've never seen anything like it from United in that situation when they've been playing a big game of that scale. You might bring out Barcelona in 2007, 2008, but at least in that one, we showed some positivity going through that game and we actually were really functioning relatively well on the break and could have gotten a goal or two. That second leg against Vigo was just apocalyptically terrible i don't think i mean given the last four years is it's probably saying saying a lot but i don't think i've been as let down by united performance or by a united tactical performance as that probably in the last four years i went into that game really feeling quite excited about watching it so i think we we played relatively well in the first leg and we you know we clearly have more talented players than vigo do mm. playing at home we've got a one goal lead and we got a second goal in the first half. So with two goals up, we're in position of strength. And thereafter, we saw one of the most pathetically cowardly United performances I think I've ever seen in, in my life. In in that, in that given the, the, the scenario we were in, we basically just stopped. Well, we just basically dropped deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was like the Alamo for most of the second half, wasn't it? it you know, the, the goal that the Vigo got was inevitable because we just sat and let them play and we were incapable of stringing two passes together, getting out from, from the back. I mean, I suppose people would say it was the a sort of classic Mourinho performance, but in that circumstance, in that game, I thought it was just one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen and I was so disappointed. Like you say, we're in a final and we should be grateful for that, but to ugh, that game pissed me off so much and... It's just been in keeping with the way that United have regressed and regressed and regressed from the relatively decent football we were playing over the, the new year and into January. And it's been a slow regression into conservatism and negativity. You know, it's clearly it's clearly coming from the manager and it's tactical. And you could excuse it if 
it was getting consistent results, but it hasn't. And ultimately, Guidetti missed that chance with the last kick of the game. We should have been out. They'd had enough chances to put us out and we would have fully deserved to have been out and it would have all been on the manager. And that really, really pissed me off, as I think you can tell. I, I can tell after the last three minutes of talking to you, yes. Um, yeah. That was the thing for me. You know, people have been mentioning just, you know, we should... Uh, yes, there is definitely a sense, given the last four years, that these have been a massive... You know, this has been a massive period in terms of reality check for United. I get that. I don't think that we are entitled to success, but we know that United can be so much better than we saw in that second leg. We can be more positive without looking too dodgy in defence. We can play a better game of football than that without sitting back so deep for the second half of that game. You know, there's what, one chance in that second half when Mkhitaryan had a long-range shot? That was pretty much it. And it was just so, so tough to watch because we just had no out ball. We had no control of the ball. We had possession. And we just sat deeper and deeper. And the thing was, the frustration I had with some of the comments that were talking so much about, you know, why we should be grateful to have gone through. I can completely agree with that we should feel really positive a little a little bit further down the line about being through to european final because that's great you know considering how tough this season has been so frequently and how we have struggled to actually get through to the final to a certain extent it's almost a minor miracle but we didn't get through that tie based on us being a better football team in that second leg we got through because celta vigo couldn't hit a barn door with a cow and john gradetti we are my goodness me what a wonderful person to be indebted to. A City player, nonetheless. A former City player, fluffing his lines in such incredible fashion. I mean, the last kick of the game. I mean, I was kind of lucky because I was on Twitter and my app on my tablet is always so far behind. You know, maybe about a minute or so that I always know about things on Twitter before they actually happen. Same with Fellaini's goal. I knew what was happening before it actually happened on screen. And in this instance, I was so grateful to see, oh my God, thank goodness me, we actually got through it. But then to watch how it all unfolded, to see how close we came, it's literally the difference of one single kick between us having something still to pull out of this season in terms of a real tangible physical sign of progress to say, here we are, this is what is going to happen next season, this is where we can lead off, this is a platform for us to build on. And I feel like if we'd have lost that game, I would have gone into this summer and to the next season feeling like we were almost lacking any sort of solid foundation from this season in which to build on next year. But it, it kind of feels that it kind of feels that now. We know we've got some talented players. I don't think the squad is as bad as it's performed in the league this season. Absolutely not. I mean we're watching we the know. Southampton game right now. We are better than we are showing this evening for sure. Yeah, but as I was I was saying to someone just now on, on Twitter, you know, since February I think the Stoke the Stoke away game was the first the first game where we we had a few chances in that game, but we really lost our rhythm. And really since then, you could count on one hand, I would say, the, the performances we've put in, which have been exciting to watch, that have been competent for the majority of a game where United have really taken someone to the cleaners. You know, there's obviously the Chelsea game, which infuriated me more because quite clearly we could play that way. We could play with that intensity and that attacking spirit, and that, but also that tactical, you know, tactical awareness as well. We did it for one game and then just stopped. And we hadn't done it since. But really, since since February, we've just become more and more negative. We've created less chances. It's just been incredibly turgid, or getting worse and worse. And I think ultimately, what we've got now is is the end result of of Mourinho's regression into complete negativity. And I think before the Arsenal game, he 
he was interviewed in the tunnel and he was asked if he could win if we could win that game and bear in mind if we'd won that game with Liverpool having drawn against Southampton earlier in the day we could have got in and around the top four again and he just basically made loads of excuses about injuries and tiredness and this and that and he, he wouldn't say that we could win the game and I don't think he really gave a monkeys if we won the game and that negativity and the, the things he said in every press conference in the last two or three weeks has just is led to this because the players just must feel like it doesn't matter none of this matters and there just seems to be negativity oozing from the manager rather than positivity and they just feel like we're going into a final on the lowest point we could be at and we're going to play against the team which is definitely beatable but it's you know it's incredibly young it's incredibly full of energy it's a high pressure high pressing team and we just we're just going into it in the most lethargic way possible and i'm i'm looking at a final and thinking that even if united win this i think the only way we're going to win it is to basically bore them to death <laughs> um it is we we're going to we're just going to build them to death stop them playing don't play ourselves and then nick a goal somewhere and it it makes me really sad that united have come to this the Mourinho's regressed so much from what were really promising foundations, even going, you know, as recently as January. And I just don't know, I don't know what's become of him. Uh, you know, I think I said on Twitter, in, in terms of this summer, I, the thing I'm clinging on to with De Mourinho is I think he signs very well. And mm. however he approaches next season, we'll have better players, assuming Edward Ward doesn't go rogue again. You know, ultimately, better players will probably win you more games. But I don't have any expectation of United, inverted commas, playing the way that United should. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because we don't. It's bilge. Well, let's, let's just try and grab a couple of positive points out of the Vigo game. Paul Pogba was great. That bit of skill in the middle of the park, knocked it on his head, flicked it over, touched it forward, was absolutely beautiful. We played some very, very nice stuff in that first half. And Rashford's cross for Fellaini's goal. Talk to me about Rashford's cross for Fellaini's goal. I think that was the one moment in the game of from United of absolutely pure class. Mm. The, the thing we've noticed in the last few games, when Rashford's played, whether he's come as a substitute or whether he's started games, he just seems to be playing at a different tempo, on a different level to everybody else going forward. His movement's better, he's braver, he's got more, it's a horrible cliche, he's got more in his locker, he seems to have more in his locker in terms of what he can do with the ball, you know, he can run with the ball, he can dribble, he can score goals, he, and as we've seen, he can cross like a, like a biatch. <laughs> he almost wasn't the cross, it was from so, he was so deep, I mean, he must have been kind of 30 yards from the goal line where he was, but to pick out Fellaini from there, I mean, there were three Vigo defenders in the area, and quite how you don't spot Fellaini lumbering into the area, I don't know, but anyway, they didn't. He's made every effort to make sure he is really obvious to spot. Yeah, I suppose he has, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to, I mean, to put that on his head with that, to have to put the pace and the whip and the accuracy on that cross, it was a really, really high-class moment. And like I said, I think it was the one really high-class attacking moment that United had in the whole game. And Fellaini is very good at that kind of late run to the back post. Basically headers that he doesn't have to jump at. Yeah, I mean, it's just about the only area of the pitch when he does actually win headers, given his height. But yeah, I mean, it was the, it was the moment of class in the game and you know, ultimately got us through. And I think if we do win in Stockholm, I think we'll have in large part Marcus Rashford to, to be grateful to for that. Well, in terms of our goals, you know, he <laughs> scored that wonderful free kick in Spain, set Fellaini up. And, you know, those are the only two goals that we, we got in the entire time. So, yeah, so lucky to have him. But... Again, part of the reason that we just got through that tie was that Celta Vigo just do not have very good finishes at their club. Or they do, and they all had a wonderfully coordinated off night, you know. 
Zaremba Sisto curling that effort that Romero saved. Uh, Vass had another chance, another decent chance from a header, I think it was, in that first half where he probably should have scored. And then Gadetti had, what, two, three wonderful chances. And that one just towards the end, all right, it was a little bit behind him, but what an absolute let-off that was. Mm. The last kick of the game, you know, the the full-time whistle being blown barely seconds after that miss. Good grief. Just... It was just such a mixed bag of emotions to know that we'd gotten through to the final because it should have felt like this wonderful thing. And it does feel great to be there. At full time, all I could just think was, my God, we almost cost ourselves that game with our approach to it. And as you said, Celta were really, really good value for it, you know? Yeah, they were. They really worked their absolute bollocks off and their away support was great. You could feel the tension at Old Trafford and they did do their best to try and make the evening as as decent as possible because the crowd could see United were just getting deeper and deeper and deeper and it was getting it was not necessarily this I guess it there was elements of siege mentality but it was just so clear that we were we were shutting up shop and when that first goal came you know fair enough it was really very difficult to argue with it it was Ron Caglia who got it I mean he didn't last necessarily that much longer because he got himself sent off three minutes later and uh, in the context of the final Missing Bailly is a massive, massive deal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's our only above-decent centre-back, really, to be honest. He's an absolutely world-class talent, a world-class athlete in that position, and you know he's comfortably been our best defender this season. And given the form of the other suspects who will probably line up in Stockholm, you know, it's an absolutely massive blow. I mean, it's, I mean Chris Smalling's really struggling lately. Jones is just Phil Jones at the moment, and... Even Daly Blint, he had a couple of really good games, but he really struggled against Celta. Uh, yeah. He got caught out quite a few times. He had, it. you know, every so often Bailey really has an absolute stinker at centre back, and that that was his stinker really. I guess he just goes to highlight the significant deficiencies that we do have in the squad. I mean, ultimately we've got we're down to I think four injuries now. One of whom is Fossu Mensa, who you know very rarely plays. So we we have we can't really play the injury card anymore, even though Mourinho has been. You know, we, we we can put out a team which, if it performs, which its potential should be Ajax. I mean, they're, they're exceedingly good going forward, but they are very, very vulnerable at the back. And if we put pressure on their back four, then I think we'll score goals. But we don't put pressure on teams' back fours very much at the moment. So it's very difficult to, to try and imagine how the game will present itself. It's very true. One game you could definitely imagine how it was going to present itself was uh, the final game at White Hart Lane on Sunday, Rich. I mean, if that didn't have home win written all over it, I don't know what did. You know, it was, what, five minutes into that game, we were 1-0 behind, I believe it was. And it it just, it it felt like a procession, didn't it? You know, it, it, it was... Really, really tough to watch. And just to confirm, uh, we have just drawn nil-nil with Southampton. Yeah, Victor Wanyama with that early goal. You know, it was pretty poor marking, I think, by Smalling, wasn't it? And Wanyama got the free header from that set piece. You know, at that point, you know, we've seen enough times lately, if United do fall behind, where's the confidence in us coming back? And I really wish I could be more positive about it. I'm just listening to this in my head, just thinking, good grief, we are so negative about everything. But this is just a reaction to what we're seeing. You know, I appreciate I appreciate these are dead robbers, but but Mourinho has basically made it clear that he just doesn't give a monkey's about these games, and I think it just transmits itself to the players. And I think mm. the lineup that we put out 
at Spurs and in the shape that we played, these last few games quite clearly have been, I just want to put players out on the pitch, give them some games. I don't really care what, what the shape is. I wasn't really sure what we were trying to achieve in terms of formation. It's kind of like pre-season though, isn't it? It's like experimenting before the real football kicks off. But I don't get the impression it's experimenting. It's not experimenting. He's just chucking a load of players on to put 11 players on a pitch. You know, he clearly wants to give two and Zebi. That's a good thing. And he's certainly getting experience of different positions. But, you know, our approach to these games has very much been we don't give a shit. I don't think Spurs could have played anyone better in that last game at, Ultra, at, at White Hart Lane than, than that United. And I think particularly in that first half, De Gea kept the score down for us. And it was only really in the second half, the, the latter stages of the second half, that we woke up and, and actually tried to make a game of it, really. Hmm. I mean, you just mentioned De Gea there, who has potentially maybe played his last match for the club in that fixture. It, it's got such such a weird vibe around it right now. It, it's so, so strange. I don't really understand the situation. I don't understand why there is even any sort of consideration of us selling... De Gea unless we are getting someone of Bale's calibre back in return at the very least you know it, it's so odd I mean I get why Romero is going to be starting the Europa League final because he's played pretty much the entire campaign you know I think De Gea's played what one two games out of the 14 14 that we played in that competition this season and all right fair enough that's it that's done but there's just this vibe around the situation with De Gea that just makes me feel like this is it, that this is actually now the year where he does go. And we've been wondering about this for some time now. But I, I just do not understand it. I don't get why we are entertaining the notion of him leaving. I don't see what the benefit is. He's still a world-class goalkeeper and he is one of the very best at his position on the entire planet. And I don't get why we are thinking about it at all. I mean, when it when it comes to De Gea, it's, it's worth reading what Adam Crafton of the Daily Mail boo <laughs> says because he clearly has contacts quite close to the player and he's been spot on with everything he's written about him in the last couple of years. He wrote a piece yesterday, quite an in-depth piece, which essentially said that you know there's a chance he's going, but but De Gea isn't necessarily unhappy and he's not going to push for a move. And I mean that fits in with. I know you wouldn't expect players to be entirely honest all the time, but there, there was a, an interview where Matter recently where he said, you know, as far as I'm aware, David is happy at United. You know, he he's not unhappy with his life. Essentially, Crafton said that the only way he'll be sold is if Real come in with a huge bid, which the club thinks that they should they should accept, and then De Gea will move with our blessing. Mm. And, uh, you know, he'll be he'll be perfectly happy to go to Real if it if it transpires. And, you know, even two years ago when he really was in the process of leaving, he never complained, he never kicked up a fuss, he, he didn't put in a transfer request or say anything in the, in the press. You know, I think, I think there must be a realisation at the club, as there is with many of the fans, that he's been an absolutely exceptional asset for us for how many years he's been in the club? Six, what is it, five, six, six seven years? And he's he's saved our asses. He's, he's played behind some of the worst defences we've had at the club for 30 years and, and really <laughs> got us out of the mire so often you know I don't, God only knows where we'd have been in those two Van Hal seasons without De Gea you know and given given his given his personal links to Madrid and his girlfriend and whatever else 
you can completely understand why might want to leave and and Crafton said he's a bit disillusioned by the way the team's been playing in the last few weeks and couple of months I guess you know I guess all the players or certainly our best players are all looking for signs that the next season is going to be much better or something special that we can put in a title challenge I I just think for him it seems like if he get if if Rail come in with an offer that's enough that United think well this is just ridiculous you know 60 70 million whatever then he will happily go and the club will happily pack him off and you know you've got to assume that Mourinho has planning in place for if he leaves um and again you know whatever whatever I think about Mourinho's performance at United this season I do think he'll buy well and I do think he'd, he'd find an adequate goalkeeper to um to replace him although on that note Castles claims that Mourinho's first choice would be Joe Hart <laughs> oh dear uh no let's not go Discuss. there no, I, I, why? Why would you want me to discuss that? No, I'm fine not discussing it. Thank you very much. Mm, I mean, there's not a hell of a lot more to drag out from that Spurs game, really, is there? You know, Son had a couple of decent chances and played particularly well. Uh, <laughs> more terrible set piece defending. Harry Kane allowed a free header, which you know, generally not a very good idea. I mean, as you mentioned earlier on, there was that fairly decent seems like the wrong word but at least there was something of a reaction in the second half Martial with a great run and then Rooney made the scoreline look somewhat more respectable and Rashford almost made it 2-2 in the end right at the death which would have been slightly undeserved but you know Spurs got their send off and there's not really much more to discuss from that game than that so that moves us on to tonight against Southampton again we sort of mentioned there are a couple of bits and bobs that were quite pleasing you know Twanzebi again starting not too bad in midfield by right back was interesting. Martial had a couple of nice spurts. But there's only really one person who is massively, massively deserving of praise more than anyone else this evening. And that goes down to the man that was in goal tonight, Rich. Sergio Romero was electric. Yeah, I mean, you have to say, when you think about the debate about whether Romero should be playing in the final of the Europa League, you've got to think he's... I don't think he's let us down at any point in the season. And I mean, Rich, has... you, how many times just stop saying these words this is going to come back and bite us all on the backside <laughs> horrifically in seven days time and i'm going to blame the holy hell out of you if it does bad there's no, there's no such thing as fate but he was a bit flappy last season and there's still the occasion when he i wish he'd just catch the bloody ball rather than trying to punch, punch it, it away but, but generally speaking he, he he has been exceptionally steady as a goalkeeper when he's played and you know again tonight he made he made two or three Really, very decent saves, and obviously saved the the penalty from from Gabbiadini early on. It's oh, I love that bit though. On, on the narrative from Sky Sports was wonderful. Like it was a revenge act for that offside goal that was uh, chalked off yeah. in the EFL Cup final back in February. That was very hilarious to watch it be saved. I very much enjoyed that moment. It was. I mean, even as if that goal would would make up for being robbed in a cup final for a mm-hmm. club that hasn't won anything for eons. I think they said. Their first was that their first final. Their first final would have been their first final win since '76 when they beat United. I wasn't even alive then, Rich. I think it might be right. I I was just alive. In fact, I was still suckling for my mother, but I was I was alive. All right. Well, with that image in mind, I never want to meet your mother. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> anyway, Romero. Yes, yeah, he had another very good game. Not many people did, but he again showed why I think Mourinho trusts him, and we should generally trust him to to go into the final and. Stop I mean, that's now... Uh, is that winless in four Premier League games now? Uh, the draw against Swansea, lost to Arsenal, lost to Spurs, draw against Southampton. 
We are really going to be going to Sweden next week on the back of a pretty bad run of form. And especially with that game on Sunday, you know, I kind of get what how things are going out in terms of the lineup that Mourinho is picking. He's trying to make sure that his important players, that's the likes of Rashford and Herrera, and, you know, obviously Pogba is kind of out of the squad at the moment because he's dealing with the death of his father. So that's absolutely fair enough. He should be given all the time in, in the world to you know, grieve as he sees fit and for as long as that takes. So, you know, he wasn't in the squad against Spurs, wasn't in the squad tonight. Makes complete sense. But he's he's definitely making sure that he's not overexerting the players that he's got in mind for playing starring role in Stockholm. And I think that makes complete sense. But at the same time, the flip side of that is that the performances and the results have been so bad over these last few weeks, or at least so uninspiring that we really do risk running into Sweden, into that final with Ajax, who have had pretty much, what, 10 days off or so, pretty much? Because their season's over, the, the domestic season's over anyway. They've just got this left to go. They are going to be fired up and well-rested and ready. And I know that is trying to get us onto a similar level. But in terms of our form, we're not going to be riding the quest of a wave, a quest, a crest of a wave in any sense of the term. You know, We are really going to be struggling and scrapping and it, as you mentioned earlier on, it, it's worrying to think what sort of what sort of condition we'll be in when we actually get to that final. If we aren't able to at least pull a little bit of positivity out of this final game against Palace on Sunday, going in on the back of a, a decent win would be great. At this point, it really would. Well, we are just we are just kind of drowning in apathy, aren't we? You know, it's been since the the Swansea draw, Mourinho has clearly just given up on the Premier League season completely and as you say is how easy is it is it to turn on and off enthusiasm and intensity and how coherent can the team be if they haven't played together for three or four weeks you know we'll just kind of be bunging them all back together for the final you know, getting all the jigsaw pieces and sticking it back together for the final and kind of just hope it comes off I really hope I'm wrong I desperately hope I'm wrong but I struggle to see us putting in a really terrific performance in the final I mean, part of that is because we rarely ever put in terrific performances anymore. No, no. I mean, under Mourinho, United have had good patches of form, but we've really been incredibly impressive. You know, the Chelsea game, we thought was something of uh, a turning point or perhaps an indication of how well we could play in the games that we still had to manage for the rest of the season. But that's been a complete anomaly, really, hasn't it? That's been the one example where we have been so impressive, but we haven't looked capable of repeating it since. Mm. So in terms of being able to simply turn up in this sort of game, the reason that there is extra worry is that United typically don't just turn up and offer those sort of big performances. You know, we are often a team that seems to play on form. We can't, as you said, we can't just turn it on and off. So that's (laughs) good grief. Why can we not have any positivity, Rich? It would be so nice. This is a you know, we've never won this trophy before. It'd be great to win it. And the fact that we wouldn't have to worry about qualification for the for the Champions League either. We go straight into the group stages, as far as I know, which would be great. You know, that's two games we don't have to worry about at the start of next season. You know, there are good points to look into if, if we can get that done and we can win that competition, lift that trophy and get into the Champions League. You know, Mourinho will be able to have a full summer with those players he will be able to hopefully get the targets that he wants in relatively quickly, start building, because it looks like he's just waiting for the season to end now, because he just looks absolutely exhausted. And so, I don't know, he just looks so sour about everything at the moment. And I I want the season to end for him just as much as I want it to end for me at this point. Well, I think 
I think he knows that it's been a desperately, desperately disappointing season on the pitch. Well, not that the investor call would have you know that. Tremendous progress, Richard. Tremendous progress. (laughs) Tremendous progress. Sorry, you have to use progress in every single sentence about Mourinho and the team on, on Twitter. Hashtag tremendous progress. You know, if we win two trophies and qualify for the Champions League, then I suppose we can say in qualifying for the Champions League, we've achieved our minimum target. And it's really nice to win two trophies and not from that perspective we're very lucky to to have that opportunity on the other hand it doesn't it, it won't paint over the fact that particularly in the premier league we've been absolutely bilged for a very large portion of the season and you know ultimately we sacked lvg because he finished outside the top four and the football was terrible you know if it was lvg produced this same season here i think people would be very 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 pissed off obviously it's not really fair to compare Mourinho's first season to LVG's second. And ultimately, Mourinho will be defined by his second season at United. Next season is where we we can make reasonable judgments about how far he's brought us. But this has been an incredibly uninspiring and disappointing season, whichever way we, we, we dress it up. And it will be great to win the Europa League. And I think, as you say, we can go into the summer with Champions League football with the appeal that that, that gives to players. It should surely make signings easier. With the extra money will make signings easier. And we can look at Mourinho having a proper pre-season because last pre-season was a bit of a shambles. And, and really, he won't have any excuses. He'll have the perfect conditions to go into next season and impress. And I think that's what we all want. And then then whatever happens, if he's got his players, if he's had a good pre-season, then whatever happens, it's fair to judge him on. But obviously, if we don't win the final, we're back in the Europa League again. I think Mourinho will be incredibly deflated by that. I think this season will ultimately have been a pretty wretched failure and we'll have to deal with another season in the Europa League. I don't want it. <laughs> no, so I mean, you know, ultimately the, the pressure on this game, that it literally is a game which could define Mourinho's future at United and United's short to medium term future no no i don't think you're you're dressing that up at all i think that's completely true it has the power to influence who we could potentially bring in how next season will go you know we've said it before on this podcast where we've been talking about the effect of the europa league teams do not really challenge for their domestic titles not the bigger clubs anyway in the bigger leagues when they are playing in the europa league you know it just doesn't happen no one's been able to find that right balance you know, again, you just immediately think, well, in that case, are we going to be missing out on actually challenging for the league title for the fifth year in a row? Is that something that we're going to see? But it's not even challenging for the league title. You know, ultimately, we've we've finished outside the top four three years out four. You know, that's absolutely desperate. That's the worst performance of any of the, the big clubs. Mm. We aren't just underperforming a bit, not being in title challenges. I mean, title challenges are absolute. It seems like a dream at the moment. We just we just need to concentrate getting back first and foremost getting back into the top group of clubs right richard we have a wonderful set of questions from our wonderful twitter followers this week are you prepared i am prepared all right are we gonna hear from are we gonna hear from steve williams uh i don't know if steve williams actually sent one in let let me check uh at minashe karimi asks what did ferguson see in the chuckle brothers smalling and jones i think he saw that the very large portion of our profits were being milked off in interest payments and and bond refinancing and the, and the and the like, and he needed to try and buy some young, relatively cheap players that he thought maybe he could mould into decent top class players. And I think that's basically what he was trying to do with Jones and Smalling. I think the worrying thing with the two of them is that we have seen them 
show patches of being pretty bad under four, at least three separate managers. I mean, it's rather damning. You know, we've seen a lot of them to know that they can be quite good when they put their minds to it. But tonight, I mean, there were several occasions this morning which was just terrible. You know, he was playing with Bai at right back and he had no communication with him and almost let Santa uh, attack literally in the first couple of minutes and then took out Twanzevi with a header, even though Twanzevi had clearly had it covered. He looks like a player who is trying desperately to prove his validity and that he deserves to stay at the club. But it's just not happening. And I, I think if, if I was going to keep one of the two of them, I would keep Jones because I think there's yeah. maybe a little bit more to mould there. And I think that ultimately, if if it was a, a straight shot between the potential of the both of them, I would plump for Jones having just that little bit more, which is a massive shame because, you know, I yeah. have seen Smalling enough times to know and seen him be great enough times to know that there is a good defender there. But I just don't think mm. we're going to see any more of it. Anyway, uh, Steve Williams of the many, many questions that he sent. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Axel Twanzebi outperforming Smalling and Jones against Arsenal. So why did he not make the bench ahead of either of them against Celta? I think there's a pretty straightforward answer to that one, really, isn't it? Mourinho doesn't really trust his young players that much. No, not in games that matter. I think that he's very aware that the United have this tradition of blooding young players. And I think Twanzebi's kind of been his his little project that he talked about at the start of the season. You can see his talent, but he's not been willing to play him in a game that actually matters. But now he's kind of throwing him in at the end as a as a nod to our rich traditions. So, I mean, I guess the test will be if he if he reappears next season, actually, in the in the, in the playing squad for games that matter. Mm. I mean, the interesting thing with uh, players that should really have gotten a chance earlier on in the season, I think the one that really sticks out for me, considering how well he frequently played in the Van Hal especially in that last third of the season last year, is Fossi Mensa. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's such a shame that he got in that in injury against City because he's just a great young defender. He's lovely. He's big and he's strong and he defends well and he makes good challenges and he reads the game well. You know, it'd be lovely to see him yeah. play a little bit more. You know, and again, you know, you're talking about all these injuries to centre backs and I mean to pull Daley Blin back in there and at one point, Darmian was playing at centre-back. Fossi Mentz has been there all year and you know we know what he can do. It's just a shame that, for whatever reason, Mourinho doesn't necessarily see the same. Uh, at RedSteven76 asks, should we offer Marouane Fellaini a six-year contract with the option to extend it for a further two years? Um, it's been said before and it'll be said again, but seeing Fellaini lumbering about in midfield just tells us how... It's just a constant reminder of how far United have fallen, to be honest. You know, he's, he works hard, he's come up with a few important goals, but ultimately he's got no other no other big European club would be seen dead with him playing regularly in midfield. But Mourinho apparently seems to like him for reasons that aren't entirely apparent. Maybe he will get a six-year contract. <laughs> I, I don't think he's going this summer. I think, no, again, I, don't, I, don't I think either. we've found another manager who's found a use for Marouane Fellaini and will keep him in that playing squad. Just for, I don't know, size issues? Is there a size quote for me to fill at some point? I don't know. Farika Mir asks, if Phil Jones and Chris Spalling are the blockheads, does that make Jose Ian Drury? <laughs> Didn't I say something about that earlier? I did. Oh yes, your reply was I wish someone would hit them both with a stick or fire them into the sea. Yes, I think that was it. Yeah, I, I think I think Jose knows now that they're both pretty inept. I would be surprised if at the very least one of them didn't disappear. Not Maybe not into the sea, but probably to Everton or Watford or Stoke or somewhere in the summer. 
Stephen's actually got another one, which is a very interesting question. Is this the biggest final since the Champions League in 1999 with regards to the club, so the prize and the future planning of the club? I don't necessarily think it is a bigger game in terms of the stature. I think the connotations of winning and losing are perhaps bigger than any final that I, I can really think of in my time of watching United. Because every time we've been in the Champions League final, it's always been on the back of success. You know, 99 was on the back of a double. 2008 was on the back of the league title. 2009, again, league title. 2000, there's a theme here. 2011, back of a league title and a really good season. You know, it was accenting a very, very positive league campaign and some progress in the cup competitions, maybe sometimes winning a cup competition that we would get to a European final. And then that was really the wonderful, massive cherry on top of the cake of what was often a very, very good season. This is really the season as a whole, isn't it, this final? Which is why, in terms of the spectacle, I don't think it's actually anywhere near as big as any of those finals that we've had in the last 20 years. But at the same time, the prizes for winning and the connotations for losing are so big that it's taken on a life of its own. I'd say it's the, the biggest final in that sense since the, the 1990 Cup final. You know, again, that came on the back of a very, very, very poor league campaign. Mm. And Fergie really was, whatever people say, I think he really was on the edge of losing his job. You know, that final was really the catalyst of everything else that came after it. We don't, We won't know. I guess we'll only know when we look back on the next, whatever, five or ten years. But I think this is certainly the most important in terms of the future of the club since that, that game. Mm. Right, last one of the night from Chris McGuffin. I know there's a lot of negatives to discuss, don't know what you're talking about, but trophies aside, what's the biggest positive that you can take away from the season? Uh, I was asked this earlier on. Again, it's a positive that is laced with negativity. Not that I'm searching for those, it's just how this season has gone. Bite me. But it's talking about how, especially since that 4-0 against Chelsea earlier on in the season, how much more difficult United are to beat than I think we have been in some time. You know, Mourinho has imbibed the team with a bit more solidity and a bit more identity and a bit more strength. I'm not saying that is gigantic progress because so many of those games have been draws. But at the same time, it has been nice to see United not roll over as much as we have perhaps been used to over the last couple of seasons. All right, that's not necessarily keeping the last... uh, two games in North London in mind, which were, you know, proper rollovers and tickle my bellies. But yeah, I think that's probably what I will take as the most positive aspect of this season up to this point. Obviously, the EFL Cup final one was great because that was a game we didn't necessarily play that well in and we won thanks to some big performances. What about you? Probably Eric Bailly and Paul Pogba and to a degree Ibrahimovic. I know we've had discussions about his impact, but you know, he, he scored some big goals. I just think seeing really under Van Gaal, we've lost sight of what a genuinely top class footballer looks like. And then suddenly Bailly comes into the defence and you immediately see what a really world class talent an athlete looks like at centre back. You know, the, the discussion under LVG of, of whether Chris Smalling had suddenly developed into this terrific, terrific centre back, and you know, Bailly just comes in and just wipes the floor with everybody else, and then Pogba. You know, I know this is constant polemic about about his form and whether he's been worth the money or whatever else, but I, I think generally his performances have been extremely good. I think he's had. I, I think he's the only down for him has been that he's found some of the 
really big games difficult, and I think they're the games which most people have seen and they haven't seen his general performances. And you know he's he's currently ranked third in the the, the who scored Premier League player rankings, and it's not by mistake because he he's not scoring high volume of goals. Um, he would have a high volume of assists if any of our forwards could shoot straight. But it's just the stuff he does in midfield, the tr- the transition that he that he allows between the back four and the midfield and the forward line, and the way that he can beat players. I think the only aspect of his game that that isn't top class is his defending, and really he shouldn't really be playing that deep anyway. And Ibrahimovic, obviously, you know when he's been hot, he's been really hot, and we we've had that. He's certainly not a Van Persie, certainly not a Van mm-hmm. Persie in, in in terms of impact, but you've seen a player with genuine arrogance and really top-class ability, even as erratic as he has been at times. And we've really missed that. We've missed that a lot. And I suspect in the summer we'll see some more players come in of a similar ilk and we'll start to see a United team which has the sort of quality in it that that we've become used to, that we've completely lost in the last four years. Well... I mean, I feel like a broken record at this point, Rich, but on that sobering thought, let's round off for this week. Quick predictions for uh, next Wednesday, which is going to be the next time we're recording for the Europa League final against Ajax. I'm really looking forward to, in a manner of speaking. What about you? I've got this. I've got this. Just give me a goal prediction, Rich. Come on. I've got this awful feeling it's going to go to penalties. I, I could see a 1-1 one, one and then penalties. I, I don't see a scoring a lot. We don't score a lot of goals, do we? So I, I couldn't see a scoring more than two. We can certainly win the game. I think that Ajax are vulnerable, but I think we're vulnerable as well. So we just, it will be who turns up on the day. We can. We can win. They can win. I know it's not helpful to you at all, <laughs> but it, it is. I think it is that tight. It's a really tight game. No, I'd agree. I mean, if it's a really tight game, then that would actually be quite positive because Ajax do have tools to hurt us. So, yeah, I, I am really, really hopeful of seeing something positive and productive and United end this season on a really, really high note. Because if we do end this season with two trophies, not three, not the Community Shield, no one's having that, not a thing. then that'd be great. And as we've said, that would just lead us into this season with so much more next season, with so much more to look forward to. And, you know, the the conditions for failure are a little bit worrying. And let's just hope it doesn't come to that. You know, I really am really wishing that we see something really positive. And it's just the fact that over the course of the last few weeks, it's just become more difficult to, to stay positive about that outcome which is kind of the situation we find ourselves in at the minute. But we'll end it on there for the evening. Anyway, Rich, thank you very much for your company. As always, my friend. No problem. Guys, thank you as well for joining us. As always, much appreciated. Don't forget, you can always chat with us on Twitter. We are at Red Voices MUFC. Rich is at RichardCan76. I'm at at Ewan Lennitz. And our blog is over at redvoices.net. We will be back with you in a week's time after the Europa League final, hopefully celebrating a wondrous occasion over in Sweden. Have yourselves a wonderful week in the meantime. Take care. Bye-bye.